Welcome everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, here with the latest episode of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast. On Mondays, my guest is always Housing Wire Lead Analyst Logan Motoshami, so we can talk about economic news. Before we dive in, here's a brief word from our sponsor. From first-time and non-traditional home buyers to those needing a jumbo loan for a second home, Finance of America Mortgage and their skilled, award-winning mortgage advisors have helped over 450,000 customers since 2015. Finance of America Mortgage is licensed to lend in all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And backed by best-in-class lending technology with a wide range of innovative and proprietary mortgage products, they're prepared to help borrowers find loans that meet their needs. Want to join an award-winning team and evaluate your business? Visit www.joinfamtoday.com forward slash housing wire to learn more. Finance of America Mortgage LLC is licensed nationwide. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS ID number 1771. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Equal opportunity employer. Okay, we are ready to talk about these things. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. As always, it is great to be here with you, Sarah. It's great to have you. And I know you are a man in demand. You have been on the, you've been everywhere, everywhere I look. You're, you're in, uh, tell us some of the places that you've been uh, having interviews. Uh, you know, the Atlantic, Quartz, Fortune, uh, LA Times. Uh, people just want to know uh, what's going on. And of course, being team higher rates. And, uh, you know, making statements that higher rates are a good thing, not a bad thing. You know, we have a savagely unhealthy housing market. And I had done a, about a, an hour interview with Real Vision to try to explain what's going on and why higher rates are needed and why it's a good thing, which is kind of a maybe a different take than what other people are talking about. I think that is a really different take. I think also everyone is like asking you, is housing going to crash? That's that's what they're they're reaching out to you about. Yeah. Well, every day I wake up in the morning, I see the sun rising. You know, I know I'm going to die at some point, and every day people are going to say housing going to crash. <laughs> so it's just it's just a part of the world we're in, and you know, part of the the article I wrote, um, you know, is again like everything else, you have to create a model, and once you create a model for something, you show the progression path of where something has to go. So we are in inventory crisis still. Um, uh, So we are far away from any kind of uh, big, huge, uh, epic housing crash. Um, And, you know, it, it reminded me of going back to April 10th, in 2020, you know, three days after I wrote the America's Back Recovery Model for Housing Wire, uh, for my own blog that I don't write there anymore, I did talk about what will it take to uh, for home prices to crash. And uh, again, you 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 have to show people why so many people are wrong about housing, but you have to give them a pathway to get there first. And what's happened is inventory collapse in 2020. It got worse in 2021, and it got really bad in 2022. And for me, going back to the summer of 2020 on Housing Wire. I said, what can cool down housing? A 10-year yield over 1.94%. And when I talk about cooling down, it's not a crash. It's just for number one, more days on the market. The growth rate of pricing uh, should cool down. But we need inventory. We're so low on the total 
uh, inventory scale that if we allow things to go as is, you know, we're looking at three-year cumulative growth of 40%. That's not okay. That's not okay with me. Some people might be okay, but for me, again, sticking with models, I said as long as home prices only grew at peak 23% in five years, we'll be okay with wage growth. It hasn't happened. It's smashed in two years and things were getting worse in 2022. So, you know, the article you wrote for us last week, your latest one is what will it take to crush home prices to your point that they're just going out of control. So give us a little bit of taste of what that article talks about. So one of the things, of course, is you need inventory to rise and not fall. You know, it's just uh, inventory channels. They're, they're, when they start to rise, you'll see it. You'll see year over year increases. The thing for me is that we got to levels that are extremely so low that it's created unhealthy home price growth. Always wait until total inventory, taking the NAR data, gets back up to 1.52 to 1.93 million. I've written about that for so long here on Housing Wire because it's to give a marker for people to, we're to I'm just going to take the housing market off of an unhealthy stage back to a normal stage when that happens. And we started the year out at 860,000 uh, 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 based on the NAR data. And again, we're, we're just way too low. We have to get back there before we talk about any kind of remarkable story about housing crashing. But in that article, I go back to the April 10th premise. What will it take? Well, number one, you need demand to fall, fall noticeably, right? And in that article, back then was the context of what COVID can do uh, using the America's recovery model. Give it about six, seven weeks. Wait until like May 18th back then. Let the let the COVID fear kind of run itself. And if things get back to normal, it's not going to happen. Here, purchase application data, which has been ruined by COVID-19 comps, has been actually negative year over year since June 2021. That's another article we wrote you. You're going to have negative data until these comps run out. So far, what I've seen is basically roughly the same trend from the start of the year. Uh, no growth, not much happening. Now that mortgage rates have risen, I could maybe after some adjustments, maybe take some, uh, uh, maybe 3% more declines on a year over year basis, but nothing, nothing too much. Uh, uh, when this data line is really positive and really negative, it's up 20, 30% year over year, uh, or it's down 20 to 30% year over year. And I talk about, you know, in 2014, 2014 was the last time mortgage buyers got noticeably hit in the purchase application data. And that index was down 20% year over year. Home sales fell in 2014, inventory did rise. Um, it's still uh, nominal home price growth was still there. It's just the rate of growth cooled down. So wait for the data to start showing you a trend. Uh, also the monthly supply data that people like to use. Total inventory has been falling, but it's actually really rare in America to have monthly supply for the existing home sales market. We're not talking about the new home sales market. The existing home sales market to get it above six months. It only happened in 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. We had a credit boom. We had declining sales. We had a uh, a great financial recession. Uh, Credit got very tight. There was all these factors that have happened. Uh, We didn't really even get to six months of supply back in 2014. Uh, So the the articles to show you kind of what data looks like when things are getting really bad. And then when demand gets really bad and inventory starts to rise and there's no bid for the housing market, right? There is where you get like a big home price crash or, or, or to that matter. Uh, but for right now, 
like get off of that story. We need inventory to rise. We need the price growth to cool down. We need this to change because what we have right now is no good. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that now that rates are up, hopefully rates stay up and we could maybe get flat to positive year over year growth in inventory at some stage because every single week this year has been negative year over year. And I'm not talking like barely negative. I'm talking aggressively negative, not a good thing. So so let's dive into the a couple of those points. So let's talk about demand a little bit. So or in, inventory, right? Inventory demand. When it comes to, you know, we're in April. So we are we are in spring home si- buying season. This is it. So are we seeing people put their homes up for sale like we normally do in spring where you see you see more inventory come online? So far, yes. It's just it, it's not enough to create the data to be flat to positive year over year. Right. So I, this is why I always talk about mortgage rates need to have duration. They need to stay up for, for a while for it to filter into the system. So we like, here's a good example. Two weeks ago, purchase application data was up 1% week over week. Last week it was down 3%. There's no real big trend yet. So give it time. And hopefully what occurs is that the mortgage buyer is the biggest home buyer in America, right? Millennials are the biggest home buyers in America. Gen, Gen X is right after them. Right, so mortgage buyers are what drive this market. This notion that this entire housing market is held up by investors, iBuyers, or Wall Street is nonsense. Right, uh, they're they're not big enough. That's actually almost what I call a Super Bowl thesis. That you know, there's no way housing can fade because one hedge fund will buy it. No, it's it's never the case. Mortgage demand fades, housing will fade. So we're not there yet to see year over year growth in inventory, but hopefully, if the trend continues and when I talk about the trend, we were we were inventory is down 30% year over year, then it was down 25%, it's down 17%. Hopefully over time, we get a point to where it actually increases. The thing about mortgage rates is if if economic data starts to get weak and you know bond markets reverse and mortgage rates go back down, whatever inventory that we're about to create on the seasonal times, it could get you know sucked in a little bit. And then we start 2023 back at fresh new all-time lows. That is not what we want. We need to have an inventory year where we increase and then go into the following year with another increase. So that's what I'm hoping for. Again, higher rates with duration should create that. So far it hasn't yet, but we'll see. Again, when you're at such low inventory levels nationally, uh, you see the market that we have. Forced bidding, not a good thing. Not a good thing. Um, so what level of mortgage rates start to suppress demand? Like is 5% the, the thing is five and a half? Like, is there, is there, a, can you chart like over, when it comes to this level? Over, yeah. To me, whenever the, when the 10 year yield gets over 1.94%, it should cool down housing. And the reason I wrote that in the summer of 2020 is because I, I knew that 2020, we we're not going to get the 1.94%. 2021 was we're not going to get the 1.94%, but 2022 if global yields rise, you know, uh then there's there's a working premise to get the 10-year yield over there. It should cool the market, right? It's just the level of cooling uh that matters. And here's a good example, when mortgage rates started to rise from 4% to 5% at the end of 2017, uh existing home sales went from about 5.72 million uh at the end of 2017 to 4.98 million. Uh, at the start of uh, January of 2019. Uh, those are trend sales. So not much happened in the total existing home sales market in, in total sales, but 
it, you can see the rate of growth cooling. And that, again, is uh, above 1.94%. We're there, and mortgage rates are 5%. It should work, right? And the reason why it should work is, you know, we're not talking about 2018, 19 levels where home price growth was running at 4 or 5%. Uh, and, and then we're talking about a year where we're at 10% in 2020, 15% in 2021, and we're heading toward double digits again. So the rate of growth of pricing add the increase in mortgage payment, you put them two together, your total payment level is increased higher than what it has typically in other periods of time. So it should work. And this is why, again, I, I, I believe in connecting the dots. Uh, and that's why I said, if the 10-year yield can get above 1.9 foot, housing should cool, especially in the new home sales market. That's the marketplace that should get hit first. Uh, and we're seeing some of the builder survey data start to show, you know, there's a little bit more caution. Uh, and that's, that's you know, what we actually wrote about in, in 2021. You know, well, trillions of dollars uh, in stimulus push mortgage rates over 5%. There are other factors right now that are happening here. But I, I would tell you this, the Federal Reserve, I'm pretty sure, is not happy with how much home price growth has happened in 2020, 2021, and 2022. Okay, well, I want to explore that right now. So so you can't just say, oh, I don't think that, you know, one of the things people are asking you about all over the country is the Fed's actions, what those Fed actions are going to have uh, as, a, as a result on mortgage rates. And especially as Inflation is still taking off. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. What do you see? You know, the, the Fed doesn't kind of model out further uh, inflation data with uh, home price growth and payments, but uh, I, I'm, I'm very sure they were not happy with how much home price growth was going. So a form of tightening, if you're not going to do credit controls, then you need mortgage rates to rise, right? You have to cool things down. So uh, what they're doing, I believe, is perfectly fine because we are we are kind of in uncharted territory with inventory and home price growth, uh, and it's it's running into this period. Like this is different. Years twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty four is different. We have the biggest housing demographic patch ever. So the counter to this is while the mortgage rates are going up, the cost of debt is going up, and we have to deal with inflation. They don't care. Because why? The Federal Reserve looks at the labor market, right? Their dual mandate is to facilitate an economy that has a healthy uh, uh, labor market and then also, you know, stable prices. We have over 11 million job openings in America. Uh, we, are, we are very close to getting all the jobs back that we lost to COVID, uh, you, know, hope, you know, by September of this year or even, even earlier. Jobless claims just hit a load last seen in 1968. I don't know what movie was number one back then, but I probably don't even remember it. So we have a very, very healthy labor market, but the inflation data is too much. So they believe if they destroy enough demand or reverse wealth effect, you know, I know Dudley from the New York Fed talked about the Federal Reserve has to bring the stock market down. So that's their mindset. And when the Fed is when the when the Fed doves are becoming hawks, you should be mindful that everyone is kind of on page. So they're hiking rates. Uh, typically speaking, when the Fed is trying to uh, uh, kill inflation, uh, you, usually it's going to get to a recession at some point, or they're going to be very very aggressive. Uh, Fed policy has a lag kind of effect. So um, the real discussion is 
if economic data starts to slow down, because we're not a fast-growing country, right? So uh, inflation, you know, there's a lot of other things that are pushing inflation that just over time it, it should correct itself. What will the Federal Reserve do, uh, and how much will the bond market reverse? Uh, because uh, unless somebody wants to say, "Well, we're we're going to be in a recession, and bond yields are still going to go up, and the Fed's still going to hike." I, I've always talked about we have to be open to the idea that the Federal Reserve will hike rates with an inverted yield curve. That happened already this year. So we're already there. So just be mindful. They are going full-fledged against getting inflation down, which means they have to destroy demand. And they don't like what's happening in the housing market. So they need rates to go up so housing cools down. That's their job. So if people are getting mad at them, you shouldn't be. That's their dual mandate, right? So what's happening with Prices is not not something that they want to um, uh, uh, let let happen, and this is why even myself, I'm team high rates, and I know the implications. What's going to happen in the new home sales market? New home sales are going to slow. The builders are going to hold construction back. That's the world we live in right now. That's our economy. It really stinks that the only way to get more inventory is just to basically say we're we're just cutting a lot of people's ability. You know, rates go up, so they don't have the ability to buy the house. I mean, that, that there is no other lever we can pull to. I mean, like, why can't we just get more inventory? I know, I know what you're going to say. We can't. That's not the way it works. But it's it's the housing dilemma. You know that podcast I did with uh, Cardiff Garcia in a Bazaar. I talk about this is a problem. Post-1996, the only time we actually had inventory really increase is when demand has gotten weaker. Go back into the data, you can see it, right? Uh, uh, what happened during the credit bubble was different. Uh, it was forced selling on credit leverage with credit getting tighter. I think that's, that's one aspect that still doesn't get enough attention. Credit got very tight after the uh, housing bubble because uh, a lot of these loans that were facilitating demand uh, were off. So in that sense, credit did get tight. There's no real tightening that could happen. There's not much going on, right? It's basically a 30-year fix loan. So there's no real credit tightening that could happen. So if demand stays stable, prices keep on rising. But if demand picks up like it did in 2020 and 2021, look what happens. Inventory collapses. So we've never had a time post-1996, which I always say that's the start of all of my work to have inventory increase until demand gets really weak. Uh, and this is the world we live in. That's why I say it's a housing dilemma. Uh, and the builders, once they see demand slow down, they will hold it back on production. And this, we just play this merry-go-round over and over again. It's really a difficult spot if you're running a business that's a housing business that's that's related to housing. It, you know, it could be mortgage, it could be real estate, it could be title, it could be appraisal, it could be you know home building, it could be a lot of things. It's like at the one hand we have inflation and wage growth. If you want to, if you know, to your point, there's all these job openings. If you want to hire people, you have to be competitive on the wages. And so one question I would have for you there is like, are we going to see any any difference in wage? Is that going to continue to to go up wage growth? Wage growth typically always goes up. It's still just a rate of growth. And, um, you know, a lot of my work over the years is that this whole notion that we had massive amounts of Americans sitting at home since 1945 not working and that labor participation rates were falling, that means that we have just lazy people and they just need to get back to work. No, that was never the case, especially in the COVID-19 recovery. Housing wire us. We were the only people that were talking about 
Jolts, 10 million. Job openings, 10 million. There's no Dorian Gray labor market. People age and then they die. They need to be replaced. If you have more demand, that means you need more workers than the replacement workers, right? There's parts of the United States of America that does not have a lot of prime age labor force growth. We're talking about people ages 25 to 54. They've got issues. They were told immigrants are taking all the jobs. And then the other group said robots are taking all the jobs. Look where we are right now, right? So there is panic because if you're a small business owner, guess what? Did you lose your labor to Amazon, to Walmart, to Target, to truckers? You don't have to pay up, right? So the hunt for labor, again, a tighter labor market is a good thing. That's the problem you want to have. But again, I think a lot of people were caught shocked or, or shocked right now because they were told as soon as the stimulus is over, everyone's going to come back to work. You don't have to pay up. You don't have to fight for labor. We have, it's not happening. Oh, it's not happening. It's getting worse. And I think, you know, part of it is it's a very healthy thing. Wages are going up, uh, especially on the lower end. But again, if you're a small company, you were lied to. And uh, I'm sorry that happened. But again, we don't have an unlimited workforce and especially in certain areas, to me, if you if your unemployment rate is you know three percent or below, that means you you lack a, a, a growing population workforce. You need to have people to replace your older workers. And again, if demand rises, so wage growth will be here for a while. Uh, again, the Federal Reserve, one way to stop wage growth is for millions of people to lose their jobs. So they are full fledged on going after trying to destroy inflation by destroying demand. So again, this is the world we live in. We have to just roll with the uh, variables that we're given. So earlier, earlier you talked about the 1.94 um, level for the 10-year yield, and you know, so so for those of us who don't follow the 10-year yield, what what is is there a, a one-to-one relationship? Like, what does that mean for mortgage rates, and how well, high are mortgage rates going to go? Above 1.94, you should get uh, over 4% rates. Um, what's happened is that the, the the mortgage market, the pricing is, is is very bad right now. A lot of people are shocked. But I, you remember back in March 9th of 2020, the mortgage market had a meltdown. So the mortgage market pricing is, is, is bad right now. For someone like me, it's like, good, stay here. Let the market cool down first or, you know, try to try, try to create some balance. But uh, uh, in this case, We've always, housing was always fine when the 10-year yield was below 1.94%. Demand was always, it's when it gets above there that you see the marginal home buyer get hit. Here, it's a lot different because home price growth was so strong, you know, in 2020 and 2021 and in 2022 that the total payment has gone up uh, uh, in a big fashion. You know, a lot of people say, well, this happened in 2000 when rates went from 6 to 8%, but and not much happened in the uh, total existing home sales market back then. Again, each market is different. Each dynamic is different. The new home sales market is much different now than it was back then. So you want to keep your eye on the new home sales market. They should be hit. Uh, their survey should get worse. And again, they have a lot of completions uh, sitting there and people qualifying at 3% rates can't qualify at 5%. They need to find buyers. So it's a different type of dynamic. And this is the reality of the world is if it was okay for us to have that much price growth and people are fine with that, okay, that's fine. Everyone's got their own thing. But for me, that was not good. Uh, and again, above 1.94%, the rate of growth, things tend to settle down a bit. I know historically we're at low uh, mortgage rates, but you have to look at the the marginal home buyer. And in the past, this has always happened 
when we get up there. This doesn't mean housing is going to crash or demand is going to fall off a cliff. It's just that it, usually we get a little bit of a cool down uh, when this occurs. That's why I wrote that in 2020 of the summer thing. Hey, listen, when this happens, this should work. We're here right now. We're starting to see some uh, uh, um, so, some of the, the, the hotness of this market start to fade positive. Go with it. Embrace it. We have to get off this savagely unhealthy housing market. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess it depends on where you are in the housing ecosystem, whether whether you share that sentiment or not, because the cool down. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's that's a very good point, Sarah, because I know I listen, I get it. Why do you want higher rates? Why do you listen? You have to look at, at a data analyst or economist. We look at the sustainability of a product that people need. A home builder here to make money. A home seller here to make money. A home buyer, hey, they love low rates because the payment goes lower. But if you have unhealthy home price growth, and let me tell you something, the builders pushed it. The builders were making money, right? Even with lumber prices and everything, they were padding their margins. So what I say is that the only thing that can put builders, sellers, and investors on their ass is higher rates. Whatever it is, psychology, or demand, or whatever it is, Lower rates weren't working, and we got to a very unhealthy stage. So I understand why people might not like this, but if you were okay with three years of cumulative 40% home price growth, that's your thing, was not mine. And that is why I set that 23%, knowing that this marketplace had the potential for home prices to escalate out of control. It did. I'm just following the consistency of my work. That is true. We, we appreciate you for that. So one last question. You know, people have talked about the aggressive actions of the Fed as, as they're doing their rates. What do you think, if you were, were going to say, okay, the rest of this year, what's the highest that we're going to see in mortgage rates when, with the Fed doing all their aggressive things? Or are there factors that you think are going to cut into that? Like, are we going to see over six? Are we going to see over seven? You just said six to eight from, a, I think, back in 2000. You know, what what is... What so, do you so this is... So we, we, we're actually, we're still not close to even breaking the 10-year yield above uh, uh, 2018 highs, but mortgage pricing has gotten worse. Um, if To me, if economic data is slowing, if it slows in the second half of the year, technically speaking, the bond market is kind of at a area where it typically falls back down. Um, it's gone up so fast and so soon. I with how the Fed is being priced in right now, it would take a lot more, a uh, lot more inflation, a lot more growth to push them to the next stage for the rest of the year. Uh, I mean, we we basically, the two-year yield has already done all the Fed's tightening for it. The Fed just has to follow through with it now. Uh, so uh, we're at we're at a stage to where I think the Fed is comfortable where they're where they're getting priced at in. Uh, if inflation gets worse, and th this is why the Russian invasion is, is is problematic in that situation, or if economic growth gets stronger, then they'll they'll push it to another level. But right now, everything's kind of I, I would say maximum priced out uh, to this degree, uh, and we're kind of probably toward the end of the ten-year yield. You know, really aggressively moving higher. But again. Growth gets faster, wage growth picks up more, inflation gets poor, they will push it to another level. Um, but again, this is this is why it's a tug of war now. If economic data is fading, you know, three of my six recession flags are up. 
if housing starts to fade, if new home sales starts to fade and housing starts start to fade, guess what? That's recession red flag four. That also will put pressure on the leading economic index. So there are some recessionary data. Typically, when that happens, bond yields fall down and mortgage rates fall down. So right now, it's a tug of war. Every day, we look at every single data line every week to see what's, ha- what's happening. And we're starting to see some of the slowdown in some of the data. You know, the trucking data is starting to, starting to fade as well. So there are some future indicators that growth is going to slow. And then usually what happens is rates go down with it as the bond market goes down. And we don't even know if the Federal Reserve actually will go through with all the uh, rate hikes that they've already accounted for. I appreciate that deep dive into that because I, I do know that, you know, if you're trying to plan things, if you're if you're in this business and you're trying to plan for the next six months, a year, um, you know, you, you want to just have some ceiling on that. Can someone tell me what the ceiling could be? Um, how high rates could go. Um, and so I think that that's interesting. We'll, we, we talk to you all the time. We talk to you every week on this podcast. You also write frequently for housingwire.com. Um, you have to be a member of HW Plus to get that premium content. But you are, again, you're looking at the recession red flags and you're going to raise those as necessary. But some of those, they have to be going on for like four to six months or two to four months. There's usually, a, a, you're looking at it over a, a matter of time. Yeah, usually, I mean, the, 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 the last three recession red flags, it's really housing, you know, uh, new home sales, housing starts. The leading economic index has multiple data lines, manufacturing data, you know, uh, jobless claims. So the labor data looks really good. Uh, some of the data is starting to show some softness, so we're we're starting to see some of this, uh, some of the higher rates start to start to creep in. But again, it's it's a process. You know, we do these Slack twice a month now. Uh, we do live Q and As just to go over. And and again, my job is to look at everything, all the data lines, not just housing, manufacturing, retail sales, labor markets. You got to put them all together, and then you know, forecasting. You know, when's the next recession? When's the recession ending? When we're going to recover? You know, and and it, you have to deal with so many variables. I mean, listen, we nobody nobody planned on Russia invading Ukraine and having a commodities war. And that's where we are. That's a variable just like COVID. Except with COVID, you knew the Federal Reserve was going to cut rates and and everyone was going to try to stimulate and help the economy out. That's not happening anymore. That's the big difference now than in 2020. There's no Fed to the rescue. Uh, there's no stimulus coming. Really, there's nothing like that. They are reversing their course of accommodative to try to get neutral to tightening so they could cool the economy down. That's a big change. And then the Russian invasion changes all that as well in a negative light. Uh, who knows when that when that closes, when that closes off and let's say it's things somewhat get back to normal. Some of the maybe early on inflation kickups start to fade, but one day at a time, right? You just don't know uh, with all these new variables coming into play. What are you looking at this week? What are you going to be writing for us this week? Well, we're, you know, housing starts are, are coming in and, you know, the new home sales sector, again, is at risk. You know, and that's, that's, that's always, whenever the 10-year yield's above 1.94, I try to figure out when, when does it break for them? When do they stall out production? Uh, we saw that in 2018. Uh, the, the, we had basically 30 months of nothing much going on in construction because of that. So, uh, uh, housing starts are a good leading indicator. Housing permits are very critical to every economic expansion and recession. Uh, permits have been doing great. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how much bite or how long does it take for it to really bite the builders right now. 
Well, we'll be looking forward to that, and as well, our audience can look at uh, what it, what will it take to crush home prices. And here's here's a unique opportunity for people to get to meet and greet with you in person. You're going to be at the secondary conference. We're hosting a party, cocktails with Logan, where um, I'm probably going to be interviewing you, asking you questions, and then you're going to take Q and A from the audience. So anyone who wants to meet you in person and really get their questions answered that aren't already answered by all this great content um, can meet us in. New York City for the secondary uh, market marketing um, convention that MBA has, and we'll have more details on that soon. Yes, and I'm bringing all my charts with me. <laughs> you'll have a whole suitcase just for the charts, or you'll, you'll be you'll be projecting them on different places. We're really looking forward to that. Really um, appreciate the work you do for us and for our audience. So, Logan, thank you once again. Pleasure to be here, Sarah. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.